0: Introduction Electrolyte homeostasis, fluid distribution, and pH balance are critical to the maintenance of normal physiology. Organs that provide compensation for disturbances in these systems are less effective in pediatric patients due to their relative immaturity, especially infants. The younger the patient, the more intolerant he or she is to challenges to these systems. At birth, free water accounts for 90% of body weight, due largely to proportionally higher extracellular fluid, ECF, volume body composition changes dramatically over the first year of life as muscle mass increases by one year of age a child's total body water tbw approaches the adult level of 60 percent body weight maintenance fluids fluid losses may be categorized as either sensible or insensible sensible losses include water and solute lost from urine stool and other measurable losses unmeasurable losses from skin and lungs are classified as insensible These are relatively consistent from day to day. Insensible losses can be estimated at 400 milliliters per square meter body surface area per day. The amount of fluid needed to maintain normal body function is directly related to caloric expenditure, which in turn is related to a child's weight. The Holiday Seeger method is useful for approximating daily maintenance fluids, 100 milliliters per kilogram per day for the first 10 kilograms, plus 50 milliliters per kilogram per day for the next 10 kilograms, plus 20 milliliters per kilogram per day for each additional kilogram thereafter. The 4-2-1 rule is often more practical to calculate an hourly rate, 4 milliliters per kilogram per hour, first 10 kilograms body weight, 2 milliliters per kilogram per hour, second 10 kilograms body weight, 1 milliliter per kilogram per hour, each additional kilogram. An example of calculating maintenance fluid requirements for a 22-kilogram child follows, for each 100 milliliters of maintenance fluids, a child needs 3 MEQ of sodium and 2 MEQ of potassium, as well as a carbohydrate source, dextrose. For the example above, the child would require 46 MEQ of sodium, 3 MEQ times 1,540 milliliters, 100, and 31 MEQ of potassium, 2 MEQ times 1,540 milliliters, 100. In general, 1 normal saline with 5% dextrose, 10% in infants, and 20 MEQ, LKCL meets maintenance electrolyte needs and provides enough calories to prevent catabolism for several days. One-half normal saline with 5% dextrose and 20 MEQ, LKCL is often used in adolescents and adults, although this provides more sodium than is required for maintenance needs. Dehydration Dehydration in the pediatric patient is usually secondary to acute losses, typically from vomiting and or diarrhea. Infants and toddlers are particularly susceptible because of the limited ability of the immature kidney to conserve water and electrolytes and because of the child's dependence on caretakers to meet his or her needs. When addressing dehydration, it is important to consider maintenance fluid needs as well as replacement of the initial deficit and ongoing losses. Clinical Manifestations History A careful history limits the differential diagnosis list and provides information concerning the acuity, source, and quantity of fluid lost, all of which influence treatment. Recent weight loss and decreased urine output are important benchmarks of the degree of deficiency. The color, consistency, frequency, and volume of stool and or emesis may influence initial diagnostic and therapeutic measures. Many chronic medical illnesses may present acutely with dehydration, including diabetes, metabolic disorders, cystic fibrosis, and congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Polyuria in the presence of physical signs of dehydration may indicate diabetes mellitus, diabetes insipidus, or renal tubular acidosis. Children who are neglected or refuse to drink because of severe oropharyngeal pain may also become significantly dehydrated. Physical Examination There is no single physical or laboratory finding that will accurately assess a patient's degree of dehydration, table 5 to 1. It is important to remember that a child's primary initial mechanism of compensation for decreased plasma volume is tachycardia. Hypotension, a sensitive early indicator in adults, is a very late and ominous finding in children. Diagnostic evaluation Serum electrolyte levels help guide the choice of fluid composition and rate of replacement. Dehydration may be isotonic hypotonic, hyponatremic, or hypertonic, hypernatremic, depending on the nature of the fluid lost in the replacement fluids provided by the caretaker. Isotonic dehydration is the most common form and suggests that either compensation has occurred or that water loss is roughly parallel sodium losses. Hypotonic, hyponatremic dehydration is defined by a serum sodium 20 is consistent with intravascular depletion and prerenal failure. Treatment Oral Rehydration Therapy, Oort, is the preferred treatment for mild to moderate dehydration. The World Health Organization recommends that Oort solutions contain 90 Meq, L-sodium, 20 Meq, L-potassium, and 20 grams per liter glucose. Commercial preparations that approximate these concentrations are available. Free water may precipitate hyponatremia and is contraindicated. Oort is particularly labor-intensive, requiring small volumes of fluid given very frequently, particularly in the child with nausea and vomiting. Administered correctly, it is extremely effective. Severe dehydration leads to life-threatening hypovolemic shock. Children in hypovolemic shock should receive 20 milliliters per kilogram intravenous, IV, boluses of isotonic fluid, normal saline or ringers lactate, until their blood pressure normalizes, see chapter 20. Both fluids are isotonic, resulting in improved intravascular volume without fluid shifts. Clinical estimation of degree of dehydration and serum electrolyte studies tailor subsequent management. Most deficits are replaced over 24 hours, with half given in the first 8 hours and the rest over the next 16 hours. One notable exception is the child with hypernatremic dehydration, in whom the deficit should be replaced over 48 to 72 hours to prevent excessive fluid shifts and cerebral edema. Ongoing losses, usually in stool, are replaced milliliter for milliliter with IV fluid comparable in electrolyte content to that being lost. For example, an 18-kilogram infant with a normal serum sodium who is judged to be 10% dehydrated has lost an estimated 2,000 milliliters of fluid, 1,000 milliliters equals 1 kilogram. Half the deficit is replaced over the first 8 hours, with the balance given over the next 16 hours. Maintenance therapy must also be included. The child received a 22 milliliter per kilogram bolus initially. 2,000 milliliters divided by 2 equals 1,000 milliliters. One half the total deficit, 360 milliliters, 20 milliliters per kilogram, has already been replaced. Therefore, 640 milliliters is given over the first 8 hours at 80 milliliters per hour. This should be added to the 56 milliliters per hour the child requires to meet maintenance needs. Rate equals 80 milliliters per hour plus 56 milliliters per hour equals 136 milliliters per hour. The second half, 1,000 milliliters, is replaced over the next 16 hours, 63 milliliters per hour, along with the maintenance rate, 56 milliliters per hour. Rate equals 63 milliliters per hour plus 56 milliliters per hour equals 119 milliliters per hour. The composition of the replacement fluid varies depending on the initial laboratory values. Intravenous fluid should not contain potassium until the patient urinates. Replacement of bicarbonate may be indicated if there is a known loss of bicarbonate or if the pH and serum bicarbonate levels remain dangerously low after initial isotonic boluses. In general, ongoing gastrointestinal losses are replaced with one-half normal saline. Urine electrolyte and osmolality studies should be obtained if ongoing losses result from an abnormal renal process. Patients with profound hyperglycemia or electrolyte disturbances due to an ongoing underlying pathologic process, e.g., diabetic ketoacidosis, DKA, may require more specialized management discussed elsewhere in this text. Hyponatremia. Hyponatremia, serum sodium level history and physical examination The severity of clinical manifestations depends on both the level of sodium in the extracellular space and the rate of change from normal falling levels that occur over several days are better tolerated than rapid losses. Anorexia and nausea are early, nonspecific complaints. Neurologic findings include confusion, lethargy, and decreased deep tendon reflexes. Seizures and respiratory arrest are late, life-threatening complications which are more likely to be present as serum sodium falls below 125 mEq. L diagnostic evaluation the laboratory workup of hyponatremia should include serum electrolytes glucose bun and cr serum osmolality liver function tests protein and lipid levels urine studies can also be helpful particularly specific gravity and urine sodium and cr concentrations these laboratory values quantitate the severity of the deficit and may suggest an underlying cause the measured serum sodium needs to be corrected in the setting of hyperglycemia For every 100 mg per deciliter rise in glucose above a normal blood glucose of 100 mg per deciliter, 1.6 MEQ Na must be added to the measured value to get the true serum sodium. Treatment dehydration is treated with fluid resuscitation as discussed previously, with additional attention to the replacement of the sodium deficit. Hyponatremia due to normal or increased TBW states such as SIADH or renal failure requires fluid restriction and treatment of the underlying disorder. Adrenal insufficiency is treated with fluid resuscitation and stress dose hydrocortisone. The cautious use of 3% hypertonic saline is limited to life-threatening situations, i.e., intractable seizures. Serum sodium correction should not exceed 1 to 2 mEq/L per hour because of the risk of central pontine myelinolysis. Hypernatremia hypernatremia is uncommon in children in the absence of dehydration. The infant with congenital diabetes insipidus frequently presents in this manner. Either the lack of antidiuretic hormone, ADH, or the kidney's inability to respond to the hormone results in inappropriately dilute urine and excessive free water loss. Signs and symptoms include muscle irritability, weakness, and lethargy. Seizures and coma are the major complications. Hypernatremic dehydration is treated with infusion of isotonic saline. Serum sodium correction should not exceed 1-2 to Meq-L per hour due to the risk of cerebral edema. Hyperkalemia normal serum potassium values range from 3.5 to 5.7 mEq/L a measurement of 5.8 mEq/L or greater is considered hyperkalemia in children the most common cause of an abnormally high potassium level is artifactual hyperkalemia due to hemolysis of red cells during sample collection transcellular shifts in hydrogen ions increase serum potassium without changing total body content for every unit reduction in arterial pH Plasma potassium increases 0.2 to 0.4 Meq. L. Disorders and medications that interfere with renal excretion of the electrolyte precipitate true hyperkalemia. Differential diagnosis Common causes of hyperkalemia include the following. Acidosis Severe dehydration Potassium-sparing diuretics Spironolactone Excessive parenteral infusion Renal failure Other less common but important conditions to consider include the following. Adrenal corticoid deficiency, i.e., Addison disease renal tubular acidosis massive crush injury with rhabdomyolysis b blocker or digitalis ingestions excessive supplementation clinical manifestations paresthesias and weakness are the earliest symptoms flaccid paralysis and tetany occur late cardiac involvement produces specific progressive ecg changes t wave elevation peaking is followed by loss of p waves widening qrs complexes and saint segment depression c fig 5 to 1 Ventricular fibrillation and cardiac arrest occur at serum levels greater than 9 Meq. L. Treatment True hyperkalemia represents a medical emergency. Calcium gluconate infusion protects the heart by stabilizing the myocyte cell membrane. Infusion of sodium bicarbonate or insulin, and glucose, drives potassium into the cells. Hyperventilation prompts the transfer of hydrogen ions out of the cell in exchange for potassium ions, effectively lowering the serum potassium. Cation exchange resins, e.g., k and hemodialysis are the only measures that actually remove potassium from the body. Hypokalemia Hypokalemia in the pediatric population is usually encountered in the setting of alkalosis secondary to vomiting, administration of loop diuretics, furosemide, or DKA. Signs and symptoms include weakness, tetany, constipation, polyuria, and polydipsia. Muscle breakdown leading to myoglobinuria may compromise renal function. ECG changes, prolonged QT interval, T-wave flattening, are noted at levels as less than or equal to 2.5 MEQ, L. Cardiac arrhythmias, ventricular tachycardia, fibrillation, can occur and are more likely if the patient is being treated with digoxin. Blood pressure changes in urine electrolyte content assist in diagnosis, FIG, 5-2. Treatment consists of correcting pH, when increased, and replenishing potassium stores orally or intravenously. Calcium and Magnesium Homeostasis Calcium has several different functions in the body, ranging from key roles in intracellular signaling and muscle contraction to providing the mineral matrix of the skeleton. Calcium regulation and associated disorders are discussed in detail in Chapter 14. Like calcium, magnesium, Mg, is a divalent cation found both intracellularly and in the serum, as well as complexed within the skeletal system. Mg is frequently used as a cofactor in several enzymatic processes, notably those involved with use and generation of adenosine triphosphate, ATP. It also plays a role in membrane potential, making it important in neuromuscular and cardiovascular function. Normal serum MG is typically 1.6 to 2.4 mg per deciliter, though about two-thirds of total body MG is stored within bone, where it is available for release when needed. Hypomagnesemia can be a result of inadequate intake or absorption or increased renal losses. Depletion of magnesium frequently leads to both hypocalcemia and hypokalemia. Thus, signs of hypomagnesemia can include neuromuscular irritability and tetany normally associated with hypocalcemia. ECG changes such as flattened T waves and a widened QRS complex can be seen. Careful review of the patient's history and measurement of serum and urine electrolytes can aid in the diagnosis of the underlying cause, and replacement therapy is then tailored according to whether the problem is acute or chronic in nature. The kidney is able to excrete excess mg easily making hypermagnesemia a relatively uncommon problem provided renal function is normal infants born to mothers receiving mg therapy for preeclampsia or tocolysis frequently show signs of hypermagnesemia at delivery including muscle weakness respiratory depression and lethargy intravenous calcium infusion may help mitigate symptoms of hypermagnesemia but in cases of toxic overload or renal failure hemodialysis may be necessary Acid-base physiology. The ECF pH, the negative logarithm of the hydrogen ion concentration, is maintained in a very narrow range, normal seven point four, largely as a result of the bicarbonate buffer system. Hydrogen ions H plus combine with bicarbonate HCO three to form H two CO three, which is transformed into water and CO two, carbon dioxide. Maintenance of the molecular components of this buffer system is performed by the kidneys, which control excretion of HCO3, and the lungs, which expire CO2. The physiologic responses to challenges of acid-base equilibrium is termed compensation. The addition or production of excessive H+, the loss of HCO3, or abnormal renal or pulmonary function can all affect this buffering system and lead to acid-base disturbances. Metabolic acidosis metabolic acidosis, pH is less than or equal to 7.35, results from the loss of HCO3 or the addition of h in the ECF. It is the most common acid-base disorder encountered in the pediatric population. Causes include increased acid intake or production, decreased renal excretion of acid, and increased renal or gastrointestinal bicarbonate loss. Respiratory compensation begins almost immediately as PACO2 falls due to increased ventilation, maximal Compensation is complete within 24 hours. In the presence of a metabolic acidosis, the expected PACO2 equals 1.5 times HCO3 plus 8, plus or minus 2. If the measured PACO2 is higher than expected, then there is a concurrent primary respiratory acidosis. If it is lower than expected, there is a concurrent primary respiratory alkalosis, see respiratory acidosis and alkalosis section. Clinical manifestations hyperpnea is the most consistent clinical finding in metabolic acidosis, as demonstrated by CUSMAL breathing in DKA. Severe acidemia affects multiple organ systems, cardiac contractility is impaired, cardiac output is reduced, and the heart becomes vulnerable to arrhythmias. Protein breakdown is accelerated, and mental status changes occur. Other signs and symptoms are specific to the underlying disorder. Important laboratory studies include serum electrolytes, BUN, CR glucose venous or arterial blood gas and urine dipstick for pH and glucose these studies help quantify the acidosis and may suggest the causative condition the difference between the sums of the measured cations Na++ K+ and anions Cl+ HCO3 termed the anion gap is normally 12 plus or minus 4 table 5 to 2 lists conditions associated with changes in the anion gap A normal anion gap in the setting of acidosis suggests gastrointestinal losses of HCO3 or renal wasting, as in the case of renal tubular acidosis. Treatment management of the child with metabolic acidosis is tailored to correction of the underlying cause, especially in cases with an elevated anion gap. Sodium bicarbonate therapy should be reserved for extreme cases in which the serum pH is metabolic alkalosis, pH is greater than or equal to 7.45, is much less common than acidosis in children. Contraction, alkalosis results from the loss of fluid high in H+, or CL, as may occur with protracted gastric vomiting, pyloric stenosis, bulimia, or chronic thiazide or loop diuretic administration. Patients with cystic fibrosis may develop metabolic alkalosis due to excessive chloride losses in the sweat. Other causes include laxative abuse and other chloride-wasting diarrheas. Diagnosis and resolution of the underlying disorder guide management decisions. Volume expansion and chloride replacement correct the alkalosis unless it results from disorders of mineralocorticoid excess, e.g., renal artery stenosis, adrenal disorders, steroid use. Potassium supplements are also necessary in these cases. Complications of severe alkalosis include reduction in coronary blood flow and arrhythmias, hypoventilation, seizures, and decreased potassium, magnesium, and phosphate levels. Respiratory acidosis and alkalosis normal Paco-2 levels range from 35 to 45 Hg. Any process that causes respiratory insufficiency, central nervous system, CNS, depression, chest wall muscle weakness, pulmonary or cardiopulmonary diseases, results in CO2 retention and a primary elevation in the Paco-2, termed respiratory acidosis. The kidney responds by generating new bicarbonate in the collecting duct and distal tubule, producing a rise in the serum bicarbonate measurement, compensatory metabolic alkalosis. This process is slower than the respiratory compensation that occurs in metabolic acidosis, taking several days to complete. Thus, severe acidosis due to acute respiratory failure may require ventilatory support. Respiratory alkalosis results from a primary reduction in the PACO2, typically as a result of increased ventilation. Common etiologies include hypoxia, restrictive lung disease, medications, particularly aspirin toxicity, and CNS abnormalities that result in an elevated respiratory rate. The kidney responds by increasing the urine bicarbonate concentration, compensatory metabolic acidosis. Management consists mainly of identifying and treating the underlying cause. Key points Tachycardia is an early sign of dehydration in children. Hypotension occurs very late in children, and its absence does not rule out significant dehydration requiring intervention. If IV fluids are required, initial 20 milliliters per kilogram boluses of normal saline or ringers lactate should be given until the patient's condition stabilizes. In the dehydrated child unable to take fluids by mouth, the fluid and electrolyte deficit must be replaced, in addition to providing daily maintenance fluid and the replacement of ongoing losses. Potassium should not be added to replacement or maintenance fluids until urine output is assured. Hyponatremia in the pediatric patient is most frequently due to dehydration. Other causes include SIADH, water intoxication, renal or heart failure, and adrenal insufficiency. Serum sodium levels need to be corrected in the setting of hyperglycemia. Neither hyponatremia nor hypernatremia should be corrected too quickly due to the risk of severe central nervous system complications. Progressive ECG changes associated with hyperkalemia include peaked T-waves, loss of P-waves, and widening of the QRS complex. Emergent treatment for life-threatening hyperkalemia includes hyperventilation and calcium gluconate, sodium bicarbonate, and or insulin, glucose infusion. The equation PACO2 equals 1.5 times HCO3 plus 8, plus or minus 2, can help distinguish between primary and secondary metabolic acidosis. An increased respiratory rate is the most consistent physical finding in metabolic acidosis. Intravenous sodium hydrogen carbonate, sodium bicarbonate, should be used only when acidosis is severe or difficult to correct.